Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to the All Stats Aren't We review of the Villa home game and a preview of the Palace away game. I'm Darren Driver and as referee of this nonsense, I'll have to insert myself into proceedings to make it a little bit more interesting. And I'm here with Tom Alderson, sticking his foot out and giving me the chance to give him a soft red card, the bloody great big daft head. And joining us for the first time today, coming on from the bench, the fullback when we really need an attacker, it's Martin Ryan. Welcome, Martin. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing good. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I've um, been looking forward to making my debut and getting stuck in for a while. So it's a pleasure to join you both. It's really good to have you here as well, mate. Um, so, Martin, as you said, this is your first, this is your debut. Um, so can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, how long you've been a Leeds fan, what your interest in football is, all the good stuff and anything else that you might want me to take the piss out of you about later? <laughs> uh, well, I've once seen my first Leeds game in the early 90s when I was about six or seven um, with my mum and went for a few games around then. Uh, one that sticks out is a pre-season friendly against Celtic, actually, which I went to with my nan. She's a big Celtic fan, so she loved it. They beat us. I didn't enjoy myself as much. Um, but I didn't really properly start paying attention to football till I was in maybe mid to late teens. Uh, so that will have been around about the Champions League era. So the things that players that stick out to me are players like Matt Viduka and Alan Smith, uh, the people who were scoring the goals for us. And other than that, um, football side, I've got a large family. I've got five kids, so they keep me busy most of the time. So I don't uh, <laughs> exactly. So I don't often get a chance to go <laughs> to games, um, but really enjoy myself when I do manage to get there. Excellent. And uh, as we all remember from that time, when the ball hits the net, if it's not Alan Smith, it's Viduka. <laughs> when, uh, anyway, um, Tom Alderson, it's good to see you, buddy. Um, are you looking forward to talking about the Villa game? No, not at all. It was... Um... I I watched the Manchester derby in the in the Peacock before the game yesterday, and I'd much rather be talking about that right now, rather than the the rubbish we saw at the ground yesterday. Um, yeah, I'd I'd much rather talk about my breakfast as well because I had a really nice breakfast at Basco's in town. If anyone knows it, what did what what did you have for your breakfast? Tom? I had a croc. It's a croc madame because it has an is it 
a crop madame has an egg on the top, whereas a crop monsieur I doesn't. I haven't got the faintest idea. All right, well, someone correct me on that if I'm wrong. But yeah, that that was really nice. Um, and then yeah, so, saw Tom Woodhead at halftime of the, of this parish, Aww. so that was really nice. So I'd rather talk about that hug that I had with him as well. But did he give you a big beardy kiss? He gave me a big oh, beardy kiss. Oh, he didn't, when he we, didn't when give me a kiss that. though. <laughs> uh, I feel like oh, I feel like I'm, I've, I've lost out now. I'll, <laughs> yeah. I might bump him down below my breakfast. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, okay, well, uh, that um, that's not the most ringing endorsement of the of the, the Villa match I've ever heard in my life, and I'm sure that the listeners will now be looking forward to us spending the next forty minutes give or take, talking about the Aston Villa game. Um, before we do get stuck into that, though, um, I asked this question in the group chat yesterday because I thought it was an interesting thing to think about. We've now seen 38 halves of competitive football under Jesse Marsh. Um, so the 12 at the end of last season and the 7 at the start of this one. And it got me thinking about how many of those halves Leeds have looked effective or tactically coherent for so uh tom i'm going to come to you first yeah so when you sent this message yesterday the the one that the only one that i could really get off the top of my head straight away was the first half of marsh's first game weirdly considering he had just a few days to get his tactics in there he was the one that i I still stand by probably was the maybe the best idea of what marsh football is um and then you pointed out there's like southampton at home this year the first half of that um, Southampton away. Sorry, Southampton away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, both halves of Chelsea, you could say. Uh, yeah. First half of Wolves, and then I think after that, you probably you may be struggling a little bit. Mm-hmm. Any advances, Martin? Uh, not too many more to say on top of that. Um, I think Tom's covered most of them, but one of the ones that also took out for me was um, maybe the second half against Everton this, this year. Um, even then, it wasn't entirely us. Just think we had slightly the better in that half. But I think most of the halves on the match have been more moments where we've been good rather than full halves of dominance because it's a hard style to be dominant for a full half because there's going to be peaks and troughs in the way it, it works with the, the imposition structure that Marsh employs isn't conductive to keeping possession and being dominant but it's hard to judge it really is yeah I mean I'm not particularly bothered about it being about being dominant because I, do, I don't expect us to dominate the ball in the same way that we did on the BLS or anything like that I just expect to be able to Look at look and and see really clear ideas um, and stuff. But but I think I'd add Norwich at home last season uh, to to the list that we've the, the first half of Norwich at home last season to that list. And I, I think I think what's interesting uh, there are two things. Most of um, no, there aren't two things. Um, yeah, I, I guess what have I, I've completely lost my train of thought. What was I going to say? Yeah, I guess I guess even, you know, um if the, if we were to take our most generous reading of it, um it would still amount to probably fewer than 10 halves of football. So you know, probably less than a quarter of the halves have, have looked good. And I've d- deliberately broken it into halves because I think that we've we've definitely never put in a 90 a, a, well maybe one full 90 minute performance under Marsh, which would probably be the Chelsea the Chelsea game. So anyway, um I think I think it's it's interesting to see how it develops and I, I think for me, you know, I I don't think we're going to be in relegation trouble this year. Um I think it's possible that we get sucked into it, but I don't think it, I don't think we will. Um it, for me, it's more interesting about how enjoyable um, the games are going to be to to watch as a viewer. 
um, and how much interesting stuff we're going to be able to pull out of them for this podcast, which becomes a bit of a struggle. Um, so with that in mind, let's get to the Villa review. So we're going to start with the interrogation, and I've got five questions to um, to ask ask the guys. Um, and yeah, we'll have some some interesting discussions about about yesterday's game as a result of that. So first of all, um, Tom, how do you analyse a game like this? Help me, Tom. I'm stuck. Tom, please help me. Yeah, it's it's a difficult one. This one, I think, when we we were chatting earlier about sort of putting the running order to this. I actually just messaged you and said, let's just disregard the second half. Um, cause obviously it's, it's not like a game state thing. It's just a, some, a reg, it's like the tactics that you would expect to see in that game go out the window and it's just a bit more sort of part, part of the bus, which is what we saw. So second half, I don't think there's as much to analyze like the first half. We, um, it was a no, it was another one of those games where, we sort of got into good areas and like we never we didn't quite sort of get the the final pass there um i think there was one that rodrigo tried to slide onto i don't know if he hit it and it went not didn't go on target or we didn't even get his foot on it but it's just stuff like that it's like it's always quite close and i think pe- people will come away thinking positively about a first half like that because we get into those areas we get we get like into good areas into the final third but it's just it's time and time again this year we're seeing the same thing where it's just not the, the final pass isn't coming, and it's just because it's more reliant on an individual to do that. It's just you, you're kind of struggling to create chances. That's why I think the the XG you've put on here is 0.3, which is not well, it's nothing, is it really? Um, and I think I saw, I saw an expect, expected uh, threat graph um, doing the rounds online, and we were. On top, I think on that that we were on top of Villa for the first forty minutes, so which was probably like a fair reflection of the game, and then it kind of worked out. I think they kind of had a few chances before um, half time, and it kind of came out even. So yeah, while whilst we got into those good areas in the first half, like I don't think it was to say that we were dominant in Villa, and it was probably a fairly even first half in the end. Yeah, yeah. I would say so. Uh, Martin, what were Villa trying to do tactically in the first half? I think they, they were trying to slow down the game at a certain point, so that was clear. Um, quite early in the game, we saw some, some certain time-wasting tactics, goalkeepers taking a bit longer to take the kicks, things like that. But I do think that they were trying to go long over our press. You saw them funneling it back to, to Martinez quite often and him trying to hit the wide, wide areas to try to get knock-ons to the forward players. So I think that was one of one of the tactics. They did press us high at, at times as well, which did cause us trouble in moments. And I think that made us also go along more than we may like to. Um, but yeah, that, I think those were the main things which Villa looked to do and tried to maybe nick a, a goal where they could and then waste time. <laughs> similar, but obviously the second half changed quite drastically. Yeah, and uh, Tom, what I was interested to note was that you said don't uh, put any questions about the second half because it was boring, and then um, almost all of my questions um, in this section are going to be about the second half because I think that's where the only interesting bits actually yeah. happened. I, I, I think um, I'm doing the this first half too much, giving it too much credit. You certainly are. You certainly are. <laughs> okay, um, Martin, I'm going to come to you with this one. So um, when Lewis Sinistero went down the tunnel after his red card... 
how much hope did you have that we would be able to create anything in the rest of the game? Very little. Um, I think the little hope that I had departed a lot faster than it took Sinny to walk down the tunnel. Um, <laughs> it was a main threat that we had in the first half, creating a couple of near chances which should have, should have been taken. And I felt we should maybe have made a few changes earlier than we did. Um, I think bringing Bamford on at half-time for Rodrigo is one that I probably would have made. Um, but Sinny was the main guy who was going to make something happen and it was such a stupid thing for him to do. Yeah, it was for, not for a lot, but it just gives the referee that chance to award it. So <laughs> it's just you just don't need to give him that opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 Tom, um, interestingly, in the first half, I thought switching Harrison and Sinistera to the opposite side reduced the effectiveness and impact uh, in on the game of, of both of them. That's how I read it. How did you see it? Um, I'd agree on Harrison. I think him on the right, whilst it's kind of, it looked, I think he quite looked good in points earlier in the season or maybe in the pre-season. Um, but I think, I think Sinister, what he does on the left is whilst, whilst he can't, you'd think he wouldn't be able to go sort of down the line. He, he seems to sort of position his body relative to the defender where he can sort of take the ball as it's come into him and like sort of knock it on and then like run down the side of the defender. And I think he did that a couple of times yesterday. And that was like the first sort of, I remember in the, I went to the Barnsley game. That was like the first thing I noticed about him there as well, that he's, he's really good from that side, which I think he can do on the right, but it kind of loses effectiveness because you don't think he can go in, um, go inside as well. So I, I think Sinistero did, was definitely our most creative player yesterday. The one where I thought the chance were going to come from. And I think he was definitely, good on the left if not but I think I definitely prefer him on that side but yeah on Harrison I think he didn't seem to suit that role yesterday didn't didn't quite work for him I don't think I've ever really thought that Harrison worked on the right to be honest I have to like even 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 in the championship under Bielsa I always felt that Harrison was less effective there and, and that his his strength is really about you know using using his left foot and his his ball striking to create chances from the left-hand side. Uh, and I know that people will remember a couple of shots that he's had from, from the right and maybe think that that indicates something. But but for me, he's, he's much, much, much more effective on the left-hand side. Yeah, I'd agree with that, yeah. I think the, there's a period where he scored a few goals from the right, didn't he? But I think his overall play was definitely better. But he's better from the left. Martin, are you worried about um, our chance creation generally? Uh, yeah, um, it's difficult to get things which are repeatable unless players play really well and create moments by themselves. Um, the last few games especially, well, I would say last few games, it's been a bit of a gap between last last few, but especially in the few games before the big break, uh, there was just barely any chance creation and to only create 0.3 XG in yesterday's game is woeful really because um, I felt that Villa were there to be got out more than that and I think that we could have done more to try to create things like that and it was I know this it's, I'm, I'm similar to you Darren I don't get on too well with the style under Jesse Marsh as opposed to what we had before under Bielsa but it's just something that I'm, I'm taking more to get used to that the chance creation looks different on, in this style of football and it may, that may not always seem possible but then they just suddenly come out of nowhere at times so yeah I, I do have some worries about that going forward especially now with Sinistera missing for a game 
Uh, Tom, we went to five at the back soon after Sinistera's sending off. Um, and the general consensus seems to be that Leeds defended well after that. My question to you, Tom Alderson, is did Leeds actually defend well after that? Um, I think mostly, yeah. I would say like the obviously they sat very deep and when the the players the villa players around the edge of the box they did it seem to get out well and close down the space quickly. Um the the way, Villa have got a good team though, so like the, the individuals on their team did still manage to make chances and there was like there was Coutinho I think did he hit the bar or was it Coutinho was involved at some point. Um, yeah, Coutinho did hit the bar, yeah. 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 That one. And then um Watkins obviously had his one on one, so like they still did have chances. But I think in a half you'd probably back any team in the Premier League to make a couple of decent chances against a team with ten men. Um so I I would say yeah, mostly I think Leeds did well and there, there were very few opportunities future uh, times where I was sort of really worried that they were gonna get sliced open. Fair. Um this isn't on the running order, Martin, but I'm gonna throw it throw it to you anyway. Melier had an interesting day, didn't he? He certainly did. Um, he had some <laughs> some good and some bad, um, especially for his claiming for crosses and punching. That was not as good as what he not. Normally, he's pretty strong with those sort of areas of game. Some people don't like it, but I do like a goalkeeper to come out and punch the ball on occasion. It's needed sometimes, but he was not reliable for that yesterday at all. Some of his 1v1s were good, though, and there was a late chance from Watkins, I believe, and who he came out quite quickly to meet in 1v1 and got himself positioned well that's always a good strength of his um, so he did well stop that one I think that was probably the one where he did best with um, but yeah he did have an, an interesting day to say the least um, and it seems to me Martin related to the defensive um, issue that I was just a- asking Tom about that making the decision to go um, to um, a 5-3-1 meant that really we lost any chance of having any attacking threat and actually encouraged them and drew them on and made our own lives harder than um, than they needed to be defensively. How did you see it? Uh, yeah, the, it, there was some part of that, but I do think it is something that they have practised and that is the shape that they opt to go to because both Marsh and Bamford mentioned in the post-match interviews that they have been training with one man down recently. So I'm guessing during the break it's, they've given some extra focus, stuff like that. So it's got to be something which they have planned on to try to work. But it, especially the first on, it didn't work well um, because there was no outlet. There was no one there who could, the ball could stick to. Um, Rodrigo did have a reasonably good game, I felt, in the first half. He did some, some good things, but he's not the sort of striker who you want when you're down to 10 men. You want someone who can be a focal point because there's so few options around you up front that you need someone like Bamford and I think he should have been brought on immediately after the red card if if not him maybe even Matthias Click um, Click has a good, good ability to keep hold of the ball and bring other players into the game and I think if they would have maybe if they didn't want to risk Bamford earlier than they would have liked they could have risked well not risked but brought on Click a little bit earlier for Aronson I think Aronson didn't have a great game all things considered he did a couple of good things but Lots of hero ball. <laughs> I'll just add, add to that about when um, there was sort of like the I think Rocker stayed until the 60th minute, and it was sort of noticeable after he went off that we Leeds didn't have a player that sort of like the ball would like sort of get cleared by the defence, and like Rocker was the one for those like 15 minutes that was sort of a bit more calm, could like help us get out a bit. And when he went off, I know Bamford came on, but it just felt like the ball was like either in defence or it was hoofed long, and there wasn't really an in between. 
Um, and yeah, on Aronson, like especially down to ten men, it's um, obviously his upside is his off ball stuff. And in a ten men situation, you're not really going to have that. So yeah, I would probably agree that like Aronson for Click would have probably made sense at, at that point earlier in the uh, second half. And and Tom in the group chat yesterday during the game, Hobbsy was bemoaning um, the fact that there was still one or two of the players continuing to press. Um, yeah, I hadn't really thought about that to be honest, but I guess I swear, well under under Bielsa, if we went down to ten men, we still tried to do those the Bielsaism. So I guess it's clearly so ingrained into the players now that they like, they naturally go for pressing. So yeah, you'd ex- would expect us just to sit in, um, but. I can I can understand where like Josh's annoyance of that is because it's it's going to leave space when you've got ten men if a player just goes to press especially more as an individual than as than as a team which we usually do. Mm. Mm. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, okay, this is an interesting thing for me. In in some of the games we've seen, um, at Ellen, particularly at Ellen Road, the opposition managers have taken a very particular approach, which is to uh, apart from Chelsea. But the 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 other um, coaches have taken a, a, a tactical approach similar to what Martin uh, mentioned earlier, which is um, they're coming to waste a lot of time trying to kill um, Leeds' momentum, you know, trying to make the game ugly, and and I guess that's generally an approach that you take against maybe a, a side that you thought were much better than than you. Um, and my question is, Tom, are Leeds actually good enough? to need to take that approach against us? Um, no, they're not. But I think that the, the, so the, there's three and four teams, hasn't there, that play at, we played at home. And like Chelsea, as you say, is the, the odd one out. But there was like Wolves, Everton, Villa. Now that they are like probably like bottom six, bottom seven teams at the moment, probably not be by the end of the year, so most of them. Um, so I think it's just the nature of the way they're playing at the moment, especially like Everton, who seem to be just like fighting in a relegation battle, the, the style of football already. Um, I don't. I, I, if it, if it is continued, I think it'd be quite something interesting to sort of dig into. But I think it's just those three teams, rather than it. It's rather the, like the way they play, rather than why like trying to counter leads. But I don't, what, what do you think, Darren? I mean, my my view is that that there isn't there is there are ways to beat leads. Um, but I don't necessarily think that killing the game, making it ugly, making it scrappy, um, necessarily helps sides. Like if you look at the way that Wolves played in the second half of the first game, the way they moved the ball about, they caught like they didn't make a lot of chances, but they did cause us a lot of problems, and they did get into wide areas really consistently, and could have could have made a significant number of chances. So f- for me, I I I actually think the approach that that these sides have taken is pretty pretty cowardly and unnecessary, and that they that they could back themselves to come to Ellen Road and just players, you know, just I mean, and I'm not not obviously I'm not saying that they should like I'm not sort of coming at it from the from the way that Pep Guardiola has done at times where he's kind of bemoan teams sitting in. It's not about that at all for me. It's just about I I, I wonder why these teams whether there's a hangover from the Bielsa days when that was a, a legitimate way to get a result against us um, because because we were playing a much more expansive, much more, I don't, I don't know whether it's, yeah, a, a much more attractive style of football. Um, 
so yeah, I I I just wonder what will happen with the rest of for the rest of the season. Like obviously Arsenal are not going to come and do that, but but I I just wonder what it's about. What what do you think, Martin? Yeah, it's interesting, is this? Because I don't think it is necessarily an effective way to stop us doing well. Um, but I think what it does do, um, when especially when there's these three games like yesterday where the Villa were quite aggressive against us, it makes our players become aggressive back because that's the sort of style which Marsh has wants. He wants aggressiveness, and that's what he he talks about so 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 much. And I think when they do it to us, we do it back, which leads to an even more stop and start game because we're giving fouls away as much as they are and give them a, a more of an opportunity to time waste so it, it's just it's yeah I, don't, I think there are easy ways and teams could probably be braver and try to actually attack us more than what they do and I think we may well see that against with some some teams not, everyone's not going to adopt that, that approach I don't feel No I just think if you if you go over our press and you move the ball laterally a lot you're going to cause us a lot of problems and 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 be more proactive in it. Um, so I think I think I think it is interesting, um, and and we shall see what happens in the rest of the season. Be, anyway, just fit to that for it'd be interesting enough. Um, we play obviously Arsenal at home next, then it's Fulham after that. Yeah. I think Fulham would be quite a good indicator of that because they play pretty pretty decent attacking football, and they're not a team yeah. that I would expect to sit in. So no. if they do that, then I think there's probably something in it. Rather, than, but I. A team like Fulham, I think, could come to come at us and like do quite well playing, like if they come at us. Tom, are you reminding me that we need a bigger sample size? I think I think that might yeah. be what's at the root. Yeah, of what it's you're just saying. it's just all variants at the moment, Darren. It's and, all variants. Other stats, words that I don't know. Okay, well, I I, I will take your your word for it. Um, okay, that concludes the um, Villa review. Thankfully, we never have to think about, watch, refer to. Uh, this game ever again and I hope Steven Gerrard uh, gets the sack as soon as possible um, and that would make me happy because I don't like him Here's a cool fact A crocodile can't stick out its tongue Another cool fact You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs coming off their parents plan or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Um, okay, next on to the, to the Palace preview. Um, so first up, what's your take on Palace so far this season, Tom? Yeah, they've... Um... Still, still doing quite well, They've, um, but they they were so good last year that I think there was always an aspect that we thought they would regress a bit, and that that's kind of uh, come to be. But yeah, they're still they're still playing well. Like, that's another one of those words, by the way, that we use. Regress. We use sample size, regression, variance. Yeah, 
all that regression. Yeah, yeah, stats, yeah, stats, yeah. stats is just made up, Darren. So don't worry about it. I know, I know. Yeah. It's okay. Um, yeah, but yeah, they've they've they're still doing quite well, and like Vieira has proven that he's can do a job over more than one season. So I, th- I think yeah, they'll they'll just be solidly mid table, I'd imagine. I think I think they'll be pretty comfortable. It'll be quite a nice time being a, a Palace fan. <laughs> I'm quite jealous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I th- I think that's reasonable. Uh, Martin, you've watched a couple of Palace games. You've watched the the Chelsea. No, sorry, did you watch the Chelsea game? You watched the Villa game. It was a Villa game I watched. Yeah, it was a Villa game. And Tom, you watched the Chelsea game and the one before the. Yeah, I watched a bit of Chelsea yeah. and whichever one was before, which I still can't remember. And and I I uh, good. And I watched the I watched the Chelsea game. So we'll, between us, we'll have a decent aggregate of. Of, of how uh, Palace approach things. But, Martin, how do Palace play? How do you expect them to approach this game? Um, well, if it starts what the shape will look like, it'll either be a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1. Um, I think in the game you watched, it was 4-2-3-1. In the game I watched, it was 4-3-3. Um, they do like to hit their wide forwards quite regularly, especially Zaha. Um, he's their go-to guy. They will get get the ball to him as quickly as they can. And they're quite narrow. I think I think out of possession, um, when teams are attacking, they do tend to keep quite narrow and compact, just to not allow any space in the box. So we'll have to expect to have to deal with that. And they are very good in transition. Um, that's one thing which <laughs> worries me. But we'll get to that later. But yeah, they've got, they've got some fun players in there as well um, who. We'll talk about soon as well, but yeah, that's basically they will play pretty long at times, but they can also knock it around at the back when they need to. They can struggle sometimes under a bit of a press, and in the game again against Villa, Villa did press them quite a bit, which their go-to was just to hit hit long. But mm. uh, Tom, in the games that you've seen, have they approached the off-the-ball stuff, low block, high block, high press, mid block? What what's it looked like? Yeah, so it's very very mid blocky. Um, yeah. It's kind of I think what Martin said like they defended I think it was a four five one in the games I've watched uh, so a lot of players in the center of the pitch uh, like I said they don't they don't press like they'll they'll I think they'll press around the central areas rather than out wide if they if they're going to do it at all uh, which considering how narrow we are now as well I think that could be a bit of an issue for us and they they tend to sort of when they do. When they are defending, it's like they get quite, quite a lot of numbers back. So I think it could be a, a game of sort of we're going to struggle to break them down a bit. Um, it's a, it's a shame that they, we didn't play them when we've got Bielsa because like there is space out wide to get at them, but I just don't think we we have the way the place to do that at the moment. Um, yeah, yeah, I haven't got much more to add there. Yep. So that uh, Martin, you referred to Zaha. They have got and an other fun players. They have got individual ability in forward areas, I think, and that's something which we could expect to, to cause us some problems. And maybe in a similar way that Coutinho did uh, yesterday. Yeah, there's like I said, the, the fun player officer there's Zaha and Aberi Eze. He's a very fun player. I really enjoy watching him. And they've got Michael Olise as well. He's not been starting too much, but if personally if I was them, um, I would be looking to start Olise uh, just because that would give him even more threat in transition. So they, they wouldn't just have to get it to Zaha. They could also get it to Olise. 
but the, the reason why at least it doesn't start as often is because of Andre Ayew who offers a different thing for them um, he tends to drop deeper to give an outlet when in possession and he's often causes problems with his movement and I'd imagine the same could well be true we'd get more attracted to the more attractive threats like Eze and Zaha and that could easily leave space if they quickly shift it over to the right where Ayew generally is um, in midfield as well, the, both the central midfielders ahead of the DM t- tend to drift wide quite a bit. I've noticed, especially um, what's it, Jeff Jeff Slup. Um, he's naturally a wide player, but he's been playing CM for them. I think he's sort of taken over for where uh, Conor Gallagher left off um, to make driving runs forward, as well as as they sort of got. If they do play that midfield like a Sorgen filler, then I think that could be quite dangerous for us because they can, they can try to overload on the f- fullback sides and since we're quite narrow and if they do des- decide to do that that would be very very bad for us but okay good stuff um okay let's think about the uh the leads lineup then so obviously we're going to be without um sinistera um and yeah tom have a have a, a pass at the at the lineup for for this game yeah uh, so obviously Melier. Um I think Christensen will start. I think this will probably be a weekly thing where we guess who's going to start, and then it's, it's always Christensen. Um, yeah. Then same centre backs, so Cooper and Cock. I think Strauker left back. Uh, usual double pivot: Rocker, Adams. Um, so with Sinister out, I think it'll be Aronson on the right. Um, and then Harrison, Harris, Harrison, Harrison, on the <laughs> on the left, and then I think it'll be Rodrigo, hopefully behind Bamford because he'll be fit enough to play, even if it's like sixty minutes. Um, that would be my guess. Any advances on that, uh, Martin? No, I can't see there being any differences to that um, outside chance of Nonto if Bamford isn't ready to start. Um, but I would obviously prefer Bamford to start and see how how we can do with him and then Nonto can come on later in the game when Bamford starts tiring um, but yeah this, it doesn't leave a bit of a hole when we haven't got Sinistera because um, a lot of our wingers do try to play hero ball and once you have noticed about Sinistera is that he doesn't he, he's he safe doesn't, in possession yeah he no d- he doesn't yeah, you're right he's, he would yeah, fit yeah. incredibly well in a possession heavy team and under Bielsa Oh, well, it would have been it would have been great, but yeah, he is safe in possession, unlike Aronson, who just does dribble well too often. The success rate for Sinister on dribbles is mad. He's got like ninety percent success rate so far. He's just doing ridiculously well with, with timing when he should dribble and who he should, he should dribble against. But yeah, <laughs> we're talking about lineup, and I was just going effusive on Sinistera, who won't even be no, in the game. So that, that's, yeah. that's all right. Like we've got to find the joy where we can where we can access it here, Martin. Um, so you mentioned earlier, uh, and I agree with you, Martin, that um, Palace looked vulnerable um, to the press at times. Uh, the the one caveat that I would say to to me saying that is that. Um, they rarely had the ball against Chelsea. Chelsea had all of the ball, so whilst they did get pressed a couple of times, um, it it's not really fair to, to from my point of view to say that. But how do you expect Palace to counter um, against Leeds? Counter pressing style? I think it will be like I said earlier. Just they'll, they'll hit, hit it long to have their wingers. 
um, either IU if it, he'll, he'll drop a bit deeper to help out in, in early possession and if Zaha's got space it'll be to Zaha um, another way they can break through it is with Aberieze he's very good at driving from midfield and I think our midfield may struggle with him um, so yeah he's one other option they've got to drive them out but another one actually is over on the left hand side uh, Tyrick Mitchell he's actually been progressing the ball most for Palace um, so I think he could be another way that they do try to get forward um, he's, he's not too bad with his running as well ball carrying but it's he's, he's been their best progressor of the ball so far um, but small sample size and all that yeah yeah so um, yeah I, I guess Tom uh, that what Martin's just said is that he expects he expects Palace to to bypass the Leeds counter press, and as we've seen in in games um, so far, when teams do that, we really struggle to make any chances at all. So I guess that's a worry coming into this game, right? Yeah, it's. I think that um, like, yeah, like Martin said, they'll just they'll probably just jump go over it. So. I've, you kind of it's not exactly the same as we saw on Saturday on the Sunday on the uh, second half, but like players like Aronson get their upside from those those sort of counter pressing situations. And uh, aside from that, we don't really have like a a repeated way of creating chances. So I just it, it is a bit of a worry that teams more often than not are working out that if we just go over the press, leads can't really create chances. So yeah, I think it is a bit of a worrying about us producing chances on on Sunday. Yeah, and and I guess something um we were talking about earlier in the season Tom, I remember you saying that we we're better at attacking set pieces now because we're doing all sorts of weird stuff. Um and it it feels to me like we've stopped making chances from set pieces like we're, we're not really posing the same sort of threat. Now, obviously again that could just be that you know look at the draw variance whatever you want to call it, but it does it does feel to me like you know, since maybe the Chelsea game, that that threat has really diminished. Yeah, I think I haven't noticed the the threat from corners as much in recent games. I've, off the top of my head, it's like I'd, I'd probably like to go back and look at this, but I just feel like the, the actual corner taking itself has been rubbish in recent games. Like, so the delivery, yeah, the, the delivery I think the delivery has just been absolutely poor. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I might have a bit of a look into that, to be honest. If, I've, if I'm feeling bored at some point, I'll have a look at Lee's corners. But yeah, I think it's, for me, it'd be the delivery that's been the problem rather than being creative with uh, the way we approach those set pieces. Uh, Martin, where are Palace going to be vulnerable? Um, well, funnily enough, you just mentioned set pieces. That is one thing which they are quite vulnerable from. Um, they've given up the fourth most chances from set piece situations so far, with 18 chances conceded so far. And I think if we can get our deliveries to, to back to what the walls are towards the start of the season, we could hurt them with that. Um, so we have the, I think, even though, even though we have fallen off a cliff with that sort of creation recently, we still have the best, uh, fifth best stats for dead ball creation. We've had created 19 chances so far. Not all massively good chances, but obviously any shot counts <laughs> for set piece creation. Um, but other than set pieces, um, I think if we can. I know it's never going to happen with that this style of play, but out wide they are vulnerable, especially if we can overload on the fullback areas. They do keep the defence quite narrow, and if we can try to take advantage of that, that would be something which could help. But it's not a very marsh thing to do. So, but 
Absolutely. I mean, I, do, yeah. I, I don't think it's not that we don't use the wide areas. It's it's that we don't we don't make the pitch big. We we make the pitch small. So if we, if we are if we are over on one side, what will tend to happen, isn't it, is that all of the team will more or less compress into that one quarter of the pitch, and I, so, and, and I think that does make that overload um, possible. But I also think it congests things quite a bit. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, we'd we'd need to have someone who is more comfortable to stay narrower on the opposing side, so we can try to quickly switch over to them, um, which doesn't seem to be something which could happen. But that's something we used to do with Harrison a lot, and we'd overload on the right side to quickly switch over to him. So if we could try to do something like that, then that could work. But um, those are the main things that I can think of where we can hurt them because. Most a lot of our has come from good dribbling. We had some good dribblers, but Palace as a team are actually quite strong at defending against dribblers. Um, I, th- I think they've got the second best dribble dual success rate in the league, um, with a uh, team average of forty-seven percent, which may not seem very high, but ours is like early thirties. And <laughs> but yeah, that, that I digress. I'll just I'll just add to that. I think there's you, you mentioned about Mitchell being like they're one of their good uh, they're sort of progressive guys I think he there's kind of usually space in behind him and that can be obviously that again is in the wide areas but if you could sort of break on them that would be an area to get into where there'd be a bit more space and perhaps you could like then pull a centre back out and leave a bit more space in the centre for um, our other players Cool. Uh, Tom, describe what you expect watching this game of football to be like Um, remember the game at Sellers Park at the end of last season was was one of the worst games of football I've ever seen. Um, and uh, the game against Villa yesterday was also one of the worst games of football I've ever seen. Um, so will it, will this game forthcoming be as bad as the game at Silas Park last season or the game v Villa yesterday? It could be, yeah. I think it could be, couldn't um, it? Yeah. The word I was going to use is turgid. That's the word. <laughs> turgid. I think That's one of my favourite words. It is really a good like word. word. Yeah, I like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think yeah, because the fact that they defend so well in the centre of the pitch, and the fact that we attack in the centre of the pitch, doesn't bode well for me. For, for us attacking, I don't think, and I think, I think it'll just be them sort of getting a few chances on the break. So yeah, not. Don't think this will be another good watch. It's not going to be a classic, is it? Let's be honest. It might be a classic in a special way, okay, but not in the way that we want it to be. <laughs> okay, Martin. What do you think? Any any advances on that? I'd imagine it will be pretty chaotic, um, but that seems to be just the general theme. Um, I think we may have more of the ball than Palace, um, but they'll say they'll be they'll be quite solid anyway. Be difficult to break down, and they'll be trying to counter attack on us. And hopefully, we can stop those counter attacks and quickly count them back in those moments. Yeah. Yeah. Like also, so our, <laughs> our rest defence is going to be important um, in, in, in terms of kill, killing their transitions and trying to find something. Anyway, let's see. So, uh, Tom, where will the game be won or lost? Yeah, this this is going to sound like a really stupid answer, but it's going to be like, can we stop them making chances? And can we actually make chances? Because I don't believe we can make chances against this team. And I just feel like they're going to just get on Zaha on the break or... Or um, Elise or Eze, so they're just going to get a chance on on the break at some point. So if we could just stop that, uh, that that's what I want to happen. But that's high, yeah, that's high quality analysis. If we yeah. can stop them making, that's why we've cancelled the Patreon because we can't with stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Martin, what do you think? I'm going to sound like a broken record talking about transitional moments, but that is 
where I think it's going to be whoever defends the, those moments better than the other or even prevents them from happening in the first place um, if you can try to be a bit more secure in the ball whichever team that may be um, but yeah it's just going to be a transitional messy turgid ball I would say that whoever wastes the least of their transitional moments I like that will uh, will probably win the game because um, I think they're both pretty profligate um, okay good stuff that um, brings us to the end of the Villa Review and Palace preview it's been really good to uh, to chat with you guys um, we will be back next is the game on Sunday the game's on Sunday right yeah Sunday yeah so we'll be back next Monday, one week from now, with a review of the, the Palace match. But until then, everybody, enjoy the game and have a great week. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.